Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. But I want to expound on the real and true meaning of love as it seems that many today, including and especially in the church, know very little about love or associate love. Um, they just associate love with an emotion. They associate love with a feeling. And um, and it's almost like it's a consequence of it's, it's liking or a, an attraction. So uh, what I want to do is I want to give you this definition. It's a definition that has helped me and I hope it helps you. But love is or isn't willed. Love is or isn't willed, meaning that I can choose to love or not to love. I can choose to love or not to love, but I can never be forced to love, nor can I force anyone else to love me. Did you get that? Is that clear? Let me know down below that you're following that, okay? All right. Again, love isn't willed, meaning that you can't, you, 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 you have the ability to choose to love and to, to, and not to love, but you cannot force, you cannot force someone to love you and you can't force yourself or someone else to love, uh, the other person. So love is a function of man's will. So as a result of love, one can feel an attraction. One, as a result of love, we can feel an emotion towards someone. But that attraction in itself, that emotion that one is feeling, in essence, is, uh, isn't love. And that's what we have to be careful with, okay? It isn't love. Uh, love is not an attraction. Love is not an emotion. Love is the intrinsic part in us, in you, in me, that intertwines the spirit of man with the nature of God. It is the part of God and the part in God that eclipses a need for words, intelligence, comprehension, or even understanding. Love isn't something that I give. Love isn't something that I send. When I choose to love, I'm transcending the nature of man and I'm attaching myself to the God part in another being. Did you get that? All right, that's what I'm doing. I'm connecting to the God part in another being. Love is an environment. Did you get that? Please write that down. This is very important. You're not going to hear this in a lot of places. Love is an environment, a sphere that is God. And when we love, what we're doing is that we are entering into that God domain. We are entering the sphere, that environment that is divine. It is, it is, it is divine. Love is a divine thread that interconnects us together together with others. 
You get that? It's a divine thread. The closest experience on earth to love manifested is the intimacy between husband and a wife. Not dad or not mom and a child. No, it is the intimacy between a husband and a wife. Not a boyfriend, not a girlfriend. Marriage is God's approved environment for intimacy. So we see that in Genesis, before God joins man together, man and woman together in marriage, the very first thing that God does for man and woman is that he plants a garden. And that garden, he calls it Eden. This was a God-approved environment in which man and woman could roam free. They could roam unabashed in the presence of husband, in the presence of wife, but more importantly, they could run free and unabashed in the presence of God. Now, their disobedience, uh, their, uh, their disobedience occurred when they defiled that God environment. How did they defile the God environment? By allowing an external influence to come in to that divine environment. This is known today in marriage as adultery. Adultery means that you are defiling. You defile the environment by allowing an external influence to corrupt, to corrupt, to tarnish what was divine. So then the punishment was that they were banned, banned from the God environment. The punishment, the consequence was a separation, not from each other, but from God. When Jesus is talking to his disciples about what would be the bond, the glue, the thread that would serve as the evidence of their commitment to Jesus as disciples, do you know that it wasn't service? It, it wasn't good deeds? It wasn't family? It wasn't country? It wasn't race? It wasn't ethnicity? It wasn't patriotism? nor generosity, no, it would be love. Love would be the evidence, the proof that the disciples were his disciples. Jesus wants his followers then, and he wants his followers now to be bound by a divine thread of love. Are you following that? This is what Jesus said, again, out of John 13, verse 35. Listen to his words. You might want to take this down. You might want to write this down because, again, this, this serves as almost like a mission statement, all right? If you are a disciple, he said, your love for one another, let me say that again, your love for one another will prove there it is, guys. Proof. That word is very important. You might want to circle that in your Bible if you're following along. Prove to the world 
that you are my disciples. This is Jesus' words. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say that you are to prove to the world that I exist. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say that you are to prove that um, there is, uh, that the world was created by God and by Jesus, or you are to prove the validity of his word or the death of his resurrection. No, that's not what he said. He said that the proof that you are his disciples to the whole world is how you love one another. Christians today, mainly Christians, fight and they bicker over theology, doctrine, who's right and who's wrong. And Jesus said that what you need to prove to the world is that you're my disciples. And that the way that we prove to the world, the way we do this, is that you're my disciples. And the only way to do that isn't by singing. It's not by carrying a Bible. It's not by singing songs. It's not by going to church every Sunday. But he says that the proof of whose you are is demonstrated in the way you love one another. That's good stuff. First John chapter four, verse 10 through 11. He said, this is John. The John is considered the disciple of love. All right. So he knows a little something about love. John says these words. This is real love. Let me say that again. This is real love. That means that if there is real love, there's a counterfeit love. Did you get that? Yeah. That means that if there's real love, then there's a counterfeit love. A lot of what's out there today is a counterfeit love. But he says that this is real love. What is it? Not that we loved God. Oh, snap. Did you hear that? Real love is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And then he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11 says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we are surely ought to love what? Each other, each other. You know that modern Christianity today has become this contest of demonstrating to the world around us, starting in our homes of how much we love God. Did you get that? It, it, that's what we have become as followers of Jesus, is to demonstrate to the world how much we love God. So we give generously because we love God and we want everybody to see us give generously because uh, then we, we can measure how much we love God that way. Or, or we do good deeds to show the world and the people how much we, we love God. Now we even go around with a phone and we record ourselves doing good deeds, um, being generous. Oh, look how pious, how humble, and, and, and look how generous I am. And we show that to the world. We pray 
long prayers uh, so everyone can hear us because we love God so much. We abstain from certain foods and certain drinks and, and holidays and festivals and more as a constant demonstration to the world and those around us that we love God. The problem is that God himself demands and he commands that love for him, love for him is demonstrated not by your standards of love, nor by your preferred method of your love expressed. But this is what he said. Again, 1 John chapter 4, let's go to verse 21. And he has given us this command. Listen, if it's a command, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. He said, those who love God must. Let me say that again. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Any person that says to me, hey, Pastor Jay, I love you. And let me tell you something, I get that all the time. Pastor Jay, I love you, man. Pastor Jay, I love you, my brother. I, I love you, Pastor. And, and, and they say, and they say, you know I really love you, Pastor. But that son of yours or that daughter of yours, they don't sit well with me, Pastor. I love you. I love Becky. I just don't love your kids. I can guarantee you, they will definitely get to know my wrath and my ugly side. You want to commit me to loving you? Do you want to obligate me to love you? Listen, I use the word obligate. Do you, you want to commit me to loving you? As a papa, if you want to love me, show me how much you love my children. When I see people loving on my children, even the one with the ugly face, and I know it's hard, but even the one with the ugly face, when you love even that one with the ugly face, it does something to me in the heart. It melts my heart because if you love my children, in turn, I know you love me. Pastor Jay, the man, the father, the husband has no loyalty, no commitment, no obligation to those who don't love my children. You want to be cut off from my life? Start something with my kids. I dare you. Start something. Even with the ugly face one. Start something. I dare you. I love all my kids. And if you want to love on me, all right, start by loving my kids. It means the world to me. It means the world to Becky. And if you're a good parent, I know it means the world to you. You know, as a pastor, I take great holy pride. I use, I don't just say pride, but Holy pride, I take pride in not just being your pastor as an adult, but I, I take great joy in being your children's pastor. I want your children, those that attend uh, Scarlet Note and consider Scarlet Note their home church, I take great joy and great pride in the children 
knowing my name, but more importantly in me, knowing their names. So I take a moment to learn their names, to, to learn their dislikes, to learn their behaviors. And, and every child here in this ministry, I take great pride in, in trying to reach out to them at a personal level. Why? Because the more I love them, I'm demonstrating to you, dad, to you, mom, how much I love you. Do you get how this works? If you love the children, then you love the parents. If you love each other, you're loving God. We've made Christianity a faith. It's a, it's a, it's a faith that measures our love for God instead of a faith that loves the ones that God loves. Did you get that? Let me say that one more time. We've made Christianity about a faith that measures our love for God instead of a faith that loves the ones that God loves. So Christianity has become this faith where we abstain from doing certain things. And what we do is that we abstain from doing certain things and we do so out of fear. What kind of a fear? A fear of sinning, a fear of becoming unholy, sinning before the God that we love. And that is the motto of many, many churches today. And this is what God said about fear and sin. Let's go right back to that very same apostle of love, the disciple of love. Chapter one, I'm sorry, chapter four, verses 16 through 19. And this is out of the first letter, okay? This is the, the first book of John, chapter four, verse 16 through 19. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in what? His love. God is love. Remember what I said, God is love. An environment, a sphere, a domain, all right? And all who live in that domain, that sphere, okay, that, that live in love, then live in God. And God lives in them. Are you catching that, guys? I, I really hope you're catching this. And then he says, and as we live in God, what happens as we live in God? The Bible says that our love grows more perfect. Listen, our, our, our love is ongoing. It's growing. I love Becky more after 31 years than, than oh boy, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I love her with a perfect love. It's a perfected love than when we began 31 years ago. Are, are you getting that? Because again, it's, it's not that kind of a romantic love. I love Becky and a different kind of love because I love Becky as a child of God. So that's a way of, I don't want to get into this whole marriage thing, but when you're talking about marriage, listen, the way you treat my daughter, I have a son-in-law, and, and, and the way he treats my daughter sends a high message, all right, to me. I'm constantly paying attention to that detail. How you treat my daughter? Baby, how's he treating you? Well, I want you to know that the church is the bride of Jesus. The church is the bride of Jesus. And that constant, 
that constant care of Jesus sends a loud message. But then Jesus turns around and he goes, listen, the way that you are, that you prove that you are my disciples is by the love that you give what? One another. So let's keep reading. He goes, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Do you know that the average church is afraid of the day of judgment? Yeah, the average church is afraid of the day of judgment because they are sin conscious instead of love conscious. So, says that, so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with what? Confidence, because we live like Jesus here in this world. How do we live in this world? How do we live in this world? Like Jesus lived. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels, it casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is of fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So listen, we are not afraid of judgment. We're not. We love each other because he loved us first. So the fear of the consequences of sin is what fuels the walk of many believers. You know, if you go on TikTok, if you go on Instagram, if you were on, um, what's the other one? Facebook and, and YouTube, to hear the amount of people preaching on sin and this is sin and that is sin and if you dress this way, you sin. And if you eat these, the, this food, that is sinful. Everything is about sin. Everything is about sin. But very little love is being demonstrated. Fear of the consequences of sin is what fuels many, many new Christians. Not love. Not only the love, it seems like it only comes into the picture in our expression of how much we love God. We want the world to know how much we love God, but we do so by the formalities of our ceremonies and our expressions in worship. But that's as far as it goes. This is what Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 11 says. I Man, I love this. I hope you are getting this with me. Romans 13, verses 8 through 11. Owe nothing, owe nothing to anyone except, this is what you owe, except for your obligation to want to love one another. If your love, listen, if you love your neighbor, then you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, this is what the commandments say, hey, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are all summed up in this one commandment. Here we go. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So, love fulfills the requirements of love. What is this saying? That fear isn't why I obey the commandments. Many people walk around and they obey the commandments out of fear of judgment and punishment for breaking the laws, right? 
It's, it's they're afraid. And fear isn't why I obey the commandments of, of God. However, love for each other, the love I have for each other is why I obey the commandments. Why? Because I cannot commit adultery if I genuinely and truly love my spouse. Let me say that again. I cannot commit adultery if I love my spouse, if I love my wife, if I love my husband. Number two, I can't murder someone that I love. I, I can't. I can't steal from someone that I love. And the last one, I cannot covet the things that, that belong to someone else. Specifically from one that I love. Love expels, it rejects any and all evil from me. Think about that. So this is why all of the commandments are summed up in only one law. Love. Love. So many Christians that identified, I tell you, in, in 2020, during the elections, there were many people that professed to love God and love country while spewing hate towards the people of an opposing political party. Many Christians that identified with a political party and, and a political leader manifested their love by rejecting people from an opposing party or, or that stood in opposition to that political leader. And, and, and it broke my heart over and over to hear and to read the kind of hate that was being shared and conveyed towards uh, other people of a, a different belief, different walk, a different faith, or a faith, uh, or not a faith at all. And it breaks my heart to hear and continue to read even now. I mean, we are what into today is the 8th of February. And to hear, I'm so, yeah, the 7th, I'm sorry, it is the, the 7th. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. But even on the 7th of February, it breaks my heart to read the words of hatred against the newly elected president, Joe Biden, the newly elected um, vice president, Kamala Harris, and her, her husband. Just to hear the, and, and, and what breaks my heart is that a lot of the hatred and a lot of this demonstration comes from so-called Christians. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 10. This is how I'm going to finish this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Let me say that again. I think we should get a t-shirt made that says that. That would be great. Two lines. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Period. I love that. Then it says, hate what is wrong. That's what you should hate. What is wrong? And hold tightly to what is good. Love each other. Love each other. With what? Genuine affection. That means that if there's a genuine affection, then there is one that's not authentic. And take delight in honoring each other. Well, you know, this morning, I, I just wanted to give you that as an introduction to the topic on love. We're, we're, we're gonna, we're, it's my heart that during this time, 
it's, it's my heart that during this time, we are getting creative. We are finding ways that even during this time of isolation, that we're reaching out to one another in acts of love, uh, uh, that, that we are, 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 are reaching out to, to try to meet the needs of those around us try to call people and check up on them and, and just love one another. Again, remember that the more you love what God loves is how you demonstrate how much you love God. It's not by the going to the church. It's not by the singing, by the praying, by the giving. That's not those things. It's how much you love God. One Thank you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnote.org. See you next time.